Okay, good evening, everybody. Um, I hope you have your bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken ready to go um, and your textbook. So we're going to talk about 23-4 to 23-8, and we're starting with the index of refraction. In the top left here, you can see that there's an index of refraction value for all these different materials. In vacuum, it's exactly 1. In air, it's very close to 1, 1.003. In water, it's 1.33. Now what this says, if you go down, you see diamond is 2.42. So this is why diamonds sparkle so much. It has a very high index of refraction and bends light quite a bit and gives you a uh, that rainbow and sparkle effect. Um, so the, the index of refraction is defined as the speed of light divided by the velocity of light in a medium. So, for example, in water, light moves 33% slower, so it's 1.33. In diamond, it's, you know, two and a half times slower uh, um, than in air. So this uh, index of refraction, N, is the ratio of the speed of light in vacuum over the speed of light in the medium. And so what happens when light enters, um, it goes from air to, let's say, water. When it gets in water, the water atoms actually absorb the light ray and re-emit it, and that process takes time. And so that constant emitting, absorption, and emitting um, moves the light a little bit slower through the medium. So there's just a physical process there. Now there's an application of this index of refraction, and the result is called Snell's Law, and it relates the, because the light slows down, it actually changes its path um, when it goes into a medium. So let's say a light ray is just going along, la la la, through air, and then it's like, hits water, it's going to have a problem because it's going to slow down. And so then you've got light going at a very high speed coming through the air, blink, it hits the surface of water, and then uh, starts to slow down. And so it has to, it actually bends a little bit, and that's why your feet look closer to you when you're in the pool or um, when you're trying to grab something underwater. You, you don't think you should have to go as far as you think you do. Okay, so if we look at the top here, um, this is just an example of how to draw this schematically to do your calculations. Again, this is geometrical optics, so it's a lot of geometry here. Um, in figure 23-19a, at the top there, you can see an incident ray comes in. When it hits that interface, again, we draw that line straight up and down, that dashed line that we call the normal line, because it's 90 degrees to the air-water interface. So you got theta 1 there, and then it bounces off, and that's your reflected ray. And then the refracted ray is down into the water, and you can see it gets bent towards the normal, and so theta 2 is less than theta 1, and that's the effect called refraction. And then in figure B, the opposite is case is basically the reverse. Your source of light, your flashlight, is underwater, and when you shoot the light up from underwater, you get a reflected ray. Again, theta 1 and the reflected angle are the same, but the refracted angle, theta 2, is larger than theta 1 when you go from a higher index source like water to a lower index source like air. Okay, so that's your angle of incidence and your angle of refraction, theta 1 and theta 2. There's a law relating them, and it's a very, very, very simple law, and it's called Snell's Law. And it says that the index of refraction in air for example, times sine of that incident angle in air is just equal to the index of refraction of water times the angle, the refracted angle, theta 2. 
So if n1 is 1 and n2 is 1.33, you just have sine theta 1 equals 1.33 sine theta 2. If you know what your incident angle is, you can just do the inverse sine or the arc sine, solve for what theta 2 is. You can easily calculate what your index, your incident and refracted rays, what those angles are going to be. So it's a very powerful law and it's very, very simple. So you can see in figure 23, 2, uh, 20, figure 23-20, what you see here is a guy looking at a beach and a lady in the water, and you can see that the water from her foot comes up, and instead of going straight out into the sky, so he probably shouldn't be able to see her foot, it actually gets bent towards him, and so it appears like her feet are shallower or closer to the surface than they really are. And uh, the exact same process is this pencil in water. It looks bent, it looks messed up, it looks like something weird is going on um, in figure 23-21, but it's not. Okay, so that's Snell's Law. Next page here, page 644, we've got a refraction through flat glass, and we've got apparent depth of a pool. Two very basic um, examples, and when I say basic, I guess I mean foundational, because everybody has to do these types of problems. So... 23-6 example is very simple. I think you should be able to handle that one on your own. You should do that for sure. Just gives you an idea of how light travels through these mediums. But example 23-7 is a little bit trickier because there's a lot of geometry here. But this is one of the most important problems to do um, and to really understand. And you should keep doing it until you understand it because um, that makes you smart. Okay, so this, if you're looking at it, it's got goggles on the bottom of the pool there. And what happens is instead of being at a depth D, the light rays get bent as they leave the water. So those goggles appear to be at a distance D prime below the surface. And again, this is these are very simple problems. Um, the challenge is getting all the details straight in your head. But what's happening is you're having a, a theta 1 and a theta 2 angle, and you just have to relate using Snell's law, that incident and refracted angle, and then just do some geometry to figure out where these rays appear to be coming from. So I definitely recommend spending some time on that type of problem because that problem, if you can understand that problem, you can understand all of the problems. Um, and th that problem is all over the internet, so spend a lot of time doing problems like that. Usually it's like a coin at the bottom of a, of a cup or something. Okay, 23-6 is a special case of total internal reflection, and one of the applications of that is fiber optics. So let's say, as figure 23-24 shows, you have a light source underwater. As the light ray uh, creates a shallower and shallower uh, angle, or a, a larger and larger uh, incident angle with the normal, the refracted ray gets closer and closer to horizontal and actually gets trapped inside the water and doesn't actually leave. So if you look at point K, that ray goes up and the refracted angle is 90 degrees. It's perfectly perpendicular to the normal. And that ray, you cannot see that ray of light uh, from under water uh, or from in the air. It's trapped within the water. And then at point L, it's actually reflected back down. Um, so at, at point K, nobody can see the ray. The light ray leaves that thing and just gets trapped along that surface. Unless you're right at the surface, you can't see that light. Um, that happens at what's called the critical angle, theta C. And all the critical angle is it's super easy. You just put uh, the, the refracted angle to 90 degrees. That's it. You put that in, and then you just have, since sine of 90 is 1, the critical angle 
happens at the ratio of the indices of refraction. So the critical angle is just N2 over N1, and you take the inverse sine of that. And that will tell you what the critical angle is. Um, and uh, at that angle, you don't see any light coming out of the water or anything. So we use that, if I turn the page here, to chapter 23-646, page 646, you see a picture of fiber optics in 23-27, and that is what's happening inside the digital audio cable that's going between your stereo and your TV or your PlayStation or something. Um, so it's blinking LED light, um, and when we talk about fiber for internet, like if you have Google Fiber or whatever, um, fiber optic internet is using light uh, transmitting light along the um, fiber optic cable because you can put a lot more data into light by mixing colors and stuff. Um, but these these uh, rays, if you put a very a high index of refraction in the fiber optic, when it goes to the air medium, the critical angle is low. And if you make the fiber thin enough, then the light ray is always bounced below the critical angle. And so the light gets trapped and bounces all the way down your uh, uh, fiber optic cable. So that's what a light pipe or a fiber optic is called. These are the same thing that are used to look at your nasal cavity. Uh, if you go to the uh, an ENT or down, you can look at your larynx, shove it all the way down your throat to your uh, voice box or all the way down to see an ulcer in your stomach. Um, you just have a flashlight at the end of it and then the light gets bounced back through that fiber optic transmitted to a camera and then you can study what's going on down there um, without having to, um, you know, open someone up. Okay, so 23-7 is uh, thin lenses and ray tracing. So we're doing the same thing that we did with the mirrors, but now we're doing it with uh, the lenses that are on your face and in telescopes and cameras. So there's several types of lenses. Two main types, if you look at the top of page 647, in figure 23-29, you've got converging lens at the very top. And remember, converging lens, they have the shape of a C. And then the diverging lens have the opposite shape of the C. Um, and you've got a double concave, a plano concave, and a concave meniscus, um, which you don't really have to know these. These are just different types of lenses. Your main uh, lens that you care about for uh, doing these physics problems are the first one, the double convex, and the double concave. Those two types of lenses are the ones we're going to focus on um, for manipulating light. Um, and you can see down here um, in figure 23-30, you've got a little lens here. It's taking light from that F. There's a light bulb behind that that's creating a, a lighted F, and the lens is magnifying it and projecting it on that screen uh, far away. And so how this works is, um, again, we need to know a property of the lens, which is the same as a mirror, called the focal point. And wherever uh, those rays of light are um, focused from parallel, from far away, they look parallel. And when they hit that lens, they get focused to the focal point, as you can see in figure 23-31. And that focal point uh, is a property of the lens. Every lens has a focal point that different from the focal point, the lens is called the focal length, that lowercase f there, and then you've got your principal axis along there, um, and then what you can see down in figure B, whatever direction parallel rays come from, they end up focused at um, the point f along what we call the focal plane. So if you draw where the focal length is and draw a straight up and down line from there, normal to the axis or perpendicular to the axis, 
all parallel rays, if they come in at a different angle, they all get focused along that principal axis. So that's a very nice um, feature of lenses. And if we turn the page to 648, then we've got our definitions again, your focal length, your focal plane, and then your converging lens and your diverging lens. And remember, a converging lens is going to cause the light rays coming in to converge, and the diverging lens is going to cause light rays to diverge. Um, and that's just the difference between the two types of lens. So uh, in figure 23-31 from the previous page, that's a converging lens because those parallel rays are converging to the focal length. If you turn to page 648, the diverging lens here, parallel rays entering the lens diverge outwards and appear to come from the focal point um, on the other side of the lens. Okay, so that's the difference between a converging and a diverging lens. Again, you've got the focal length as a property, so just make sure you're aware of that definition. And then, um, if you go to the eye doctor and then they talk about diopters, the diopter of a lens is its power, which is related to its focal length. So the diopter of a lens is just one over the focal length of the lens. Um, and that's the reason we do that is because it gives you a number like one, two, three, four, or five, rather than talking about like 0.2 meters or some weird thing like that. So it's just a unit that folks came up with to make it more of a friendly number, like 1.1145, things like that. Okay, so um, if we keep going down, there's three rays here, ray one, ray two, ray three, just like in mirrors where we have to uh, all we need are three rays to figure out where a lens is going to put an image of an object. So if we go to figure 23-34, we're looking at an object, which again, um, in the top picture there, this object is is outside of the focal length. So you've got f prime there, that's the, the distance between f prime and the lens. If you're inside the focal length, you have a different set of stuff going on. So in this case, our object is outside the focal length. So that's your outside the focal point, which is also the focal length. So that's your first thing to pay attention to when you're doing these problems is where is the object? Is it outside the focal length or between the focal length and the lens? So in this case, it's outside the focal length and these are the three rays you draw if it's outside the focal length. Your first one, just like the mirror, comes in parallel, gets bent through the focal point. The next one you can draw through the focal point and then it gets refract reflected, well, refracted out uh, parallel to the line. And you can see already that that's where those two points uh, cross. And then the third ray just goes right through the center of the lens and isn't refracted at all and goes all the way down. Now, the image appears to be at that point, and you don't have to put your eye there to see it. Your eye is going to catch those rays that are diverging out and focus them onto your retina. Um, so you're going to appear to see an image at that point, I. Um, and that's called a real image, and the reason it's a real image is because those rays are actually converging there. A virtual Im image is when you're going to see dotted lines, and that's when the rays don't actually pass through a point. So if I turn um, to uh, blah, 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 next page. So the diverging lens, the three uh, rays you're going to draw here are a ray coming in parallel, and then it's going to diverge out as if it came from the focal point. So there's that dotted line going back to the focal point. Ray 2 is going to go as if it's passing through the focal length on the other side of the lens, and once it hits the center of that lens, you can draw it as coming out 
parallel and then work your dotted line back and then line three is again going to go right through the center so you can see those dotted lines all appear to come from where that lowercase i well it's an uppercase i and a tiny image so if your object is outside the focal point of a diverging lens then your image is going to look close to the uh closer to the lens and it's going to be upright and it's going to be tiny and that's a virtual image because if you put a screen there it's not going to show anything it just appears to come from there so you get a, a lot of optical illusions in funhouse mirrors and magic tricks uh, doing this sort of thing to show you how uh, you can trick your mind to doing stuff okay or seeing things that aren't really there all right so 23-8 the thin lens equation and magnification um so we talked about this this is just the same as the mirrors as the mirror equations uh, the thin lens equation and the mirror and the mirror equation are the same it's one over the distance of the object from the lens plus one over the distance of the image from the lens is equal to one over the focal length of the lens and uh, the ratio of those image and object distances or the image height and object height um, those tell you the magnification of the lens of what it's doing um, now the again the most important thing to pay attention to is page 651 the yellow box in the middle of the page um, in order to use the thin lens equation, one over d zero plus or one over d o plus one over d i equals one over f. In order to use that, um, you got to pay attention to the sign conventions. Okay, and you know if we just read them, the focal length is positive for converging lens and negative for diverging lens. The object distance is positive if the object is on the same on the side of the lens from which the light is coming from. Otherwise, it is negative. Okay, so one, two, three, four. Read those and just kind of practice a little bit doing that um, just to make sense of what those are. Those are, again, just conventions so that everybody can agree to use them. And when you do that, this equation makes sense and you can calculate what the uh, the sides are. And you can see um, uh, at the top of that page, they show you, um, you know, how this works. Um, so the uh, focal length is negative for a diverging lens. And so that's what you see with this 1 over DO plus minus 1 over DI equals minus 1 over F. So for diverging lens, they have negative uh, focal lengths. So that is uh, the end of that. Um, and so actually, last thing to mention at the very bottom, you can see that a converging lens is sometimes referred to as a positive lens, and a diverging lens is referred to as a negative lens. And that's because the focal length is either positive or negative. And uh, if you have that for uh, converging and diverging lenses, you can get all the math to work out, and it's very nice. Okay, the next two pages are uh, kind of getting you comfortable with the uh, sign conventions, so I definitely recommend going through those. Um, and then we are not going to cover chapter 23-9, uh, because, I mean, you can, it's not a big deal, but it's a little extra work for no benefit. And then we're not going to do 23-10, um, because unless you're going to go into making lenses, it's not super useful, but feel free to read that. It's just a little more complicated equation, um, which is a little more realistic to what you're going to do. Okay, that's the end of this chapter. Um, bye, everybody.